<laughs> yeah, we're we're normally good about just glad you know, like every parent yeah. when there's a scream or a crash, every parent will go. Oh. <laughs> you know, somebody out there will help. We only have one kid fall. It's all right. Yeah, that's right. That's all right. Give it out of time. That's the question. The kid could swim actually. Oh, okay. Who's that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was really careful with the wine. My wife had an issue with the kids, and she was playing just high and noticed that the other was face down in the other. <laughs> God, King of the universe, who sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please add an air God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people of Israel. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who selected us from all the peoples and gave us his Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. Amen. This is the 24th portion of the year, and I am just overwhelmed with what a cool week it has been. Uh, I'm a grandpa, for those of you listening in Gastonia and parts north like Canada, and um, um, as I think Greg pointed out, we've had, uh, just since the last time we got together, we've had two babies born uh, to our, our, uh, our community, so that is just... Amazing. Like, look, nobody in the front row. That's, uh, <laughs> we, should, we should probably just remove all the front row. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> back of the bus. Back of the bus. Um, so I do want to, uh, I, I do want to greet uh, two families here uh, this morning. First, the uh, the Hackett's, uh, who have driven here from uh, Paducah, Kentucky, streaming, streaming metropolis. Uh, it's part of the U.S. That's, it is part of the U.S. <laughs> um, uh, so they are uh, they are here visiting with us and uh, have shared and actually helped to pray for Morgan and uh, Sophia. Um, was that yesterday? Mm-hmm. It seems no, like it was two days ago. And. Um, so welcome, welcome to specifically to Rod and Kelly and their children uh, sitting in the back there. Um, so I, I imagine they bring greetings from the enormous community that they're a part of, which is actually remote. So, um, and then there's the uh, the talents and uh, Joshua and Lindsay and their two daughters, and they are here visiting from Austin, Texas. Did you drive or did you fly? We drove. You drove too. It's amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, Joshua is uh, yeah. Joshua is unique because he is the uh, he's the first scrupulously pious Gentile I've ever met. 
that he and his family practice Orthodox Messianic Judaism. And uh, it is fascinating to me and is, uh, is causing me to ponder my own walk and, uh, and all of that. So I, I encourage you after we're done talking about the portion to sit down and, and talk with both these families and, and not only welcome them but see who they are and how they are. Okay. What is... If somebody, if somebody would just come up to you on the street uh, and say, crop, what does it mean, and what's the first portion in, uh, in this book of Levititus, as, uh, as a friend of mine used to say, what, what's this first portion all about? Anti-call. What's it about? What's, what, what, if I wanted to go someplace to find something in the Bible, why would I come to this portion? Instructions for the coming up. Instructions for the Kohanim. Just for the well, I mean, I think that's that's part of the interesting. Uh, or, I think that's part of the blessing. So, so, can you hear him? I can barely hear. Can you hear? Can you hear? <laughs> <laughs> part of the blessing is this is it, it is the, 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 the Torah for the sacrifices and designed to be performed by Kohanim, but we even who are not Kohanim is. Can can a keep them accountable? Can a learn or b learn the the other insights that 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 these sacrificial systems can teach us and we can apply in our own lives? So 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 it is. It's it's for a specific purpose, and only certain people can perform these. But it benefits the entire community. Okay. That, that, that's why we have it. That's why there's not a separate book just for the Levites, just for the, the Kohanim. It's, it's in the, it's in the Torah. So. Okay. And the, Good. Ron Bon actually has kind of brings that up that this this is just for them, but hey, we actually get to read this too. So. Good. Good. Anybody else? What are we going to find in the first five chapters? Corpana, the offerings. The offerings, right? Um, there's a three-letter word that appears infrequently in the first three, three and a half, maybe even four chapters. Right? I think it's three chapters. Three-letter word, and there is a nine-letter word that appears. A lot of times. In fact, so many times that it has confused the entire body of Messiah prior to, uh, I guess, recent days um, as the Messianic movement has come about. So, what's no, the, the entire body still? Confused. Still, body. okay. So, what's the three-letter word that's uh, that, that's Kafar. sort of missing? Kafar. No, in English. <laughs> God. No, it's not God. It's not God. Sin. Who's that? Sin. Yeah, sin. Sin. The word sin does not appear, I think, in the first three chapters at all. Kafar. Okay? Um, we actually get into, into chapter four before you even talk about sin, and yet we've got a whole mess of sacrifices that are going on here. What's the nine letter English word? That is specific. Nine letter Hebrew word, then bonus points. That was good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. So, atonement is that nine letter word. That's it. Both my daughters got both of them. You know what that means. I must have done this before. Um, so, yeah, atonement. Um, so, this the first one that it talks about in this first chapter. Um, will, that, will that bring atonement? Yes. Yes. yes or no? Yes. 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 Verse 4. In the cheap seats. How about over here? <laughs> Is it yes? Okay. Okay. Just making sure. Yes. Verse 4. Greg, read that for me, would you? He shall lean his hands upon the head of the elevation offering and shall become acceptable for him to atone for him. There it is. To atone for him. 
And it appears over and over and over that it will provide atonement for either the person, the people, the place, or whatever the case might be. So uh, Flame Foundation um, chose as their... Can you hear me in an iPad, please? Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Just grab it, and uh, it should come right off of that stand. There you go. Thank you so much. Cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah, and it's magnetic. So, yeah. Um, we have those for sale in the back, but you've got to wait till tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10, um, as we heard this morning, since the Torah was but a shadow of the things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, they wouldn't, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For, verse 4, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins, which is what I thought atonement was, taking away sin. We go down further, and I think it's... Um, Verse 11, every Cohen stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. So for everybody uh, listening um, in uh, Canada and Denver and in uh, the Couscous Islands and all the other places people are listening, and especially Gastonia, can you, uh, can you help them to understand if it if it's if it's not sin, if it doesn't atone, if it does atone but it doesn't take away sins, what is the deal, Rick? Well, I, I'm sorry. I, I, just before you get to that question, I think that's an extremely poor passage Absolutely. to associate with this passage because that passage says every year, which is speaking you know, of these these offerings are being offered every, every day. day. Every time. So two different, completely different things. Granted. Hebrews 10 is probably speaking Yom Kippur. of Yom Kippur or Yom HaKippurim. Absolutely. So help me with the sin and atonement. It says that the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. That includes these ones we're reading today. Uh, uh, the idea of atonement is the idea of covering. Right? Okay. Well, so, back so, to your Hebrew word. Right. So The three-letter word, kafar. <laughs> kafar. Yes, sir. Right. From which we get the same word for the same root for kippa and Yom Kippur, right? So the idea is that it, it's a covering to allow the person to draw near for that specific purpose. Wait, Kafar it, lets us draw near? The Hebrew pun to the English. Yeah, yeah, pun to the English. Did everybody get that? Yeah, yeah. Kafar, draw near. That's good, that's good. So, so, can what, what we see? Um, delayed reaction. We see in in, uh, in in the Yom Kippur rituals uh, that actually the altar is atoned for in the tabernacle and so forth. Um, so, if, if I had to describe an altar to someone, I think it would be like rock, bunches of stones, stuff like that. Um, can stones sin? They can't sin. The stone can't sin. Okay, well then, um, obviously, uh, I guess when we're talking to people in professional Christendom that maybe have been, I wouldn't say deceived, but 
confused about this, um, then we should probably start with some of these things and make it clear that atonement can't always have to do with sin. Or we would have stones that are sinning, and we would have all of these rituals that can't take away sin, and yet they are providing atonement. Is everybody clear on that? Okay. Okay. So, if if I'm if there is no temple today, and I'm I'm reading through this, I begin to wonder, and since I'm not Cohen and never will be Cohen, what in the world am I supposed to get out of the first chapter of Vayikra that I can use in my walk today, or to understand something about Messiah? I'm going to give you my back most of the time. I apologize right now. Yes, I, I think one of the one of the biggest take takeaways uh, is the fact that there is protocol to approach the king. Protocol to approach the king. Right. To draw near, you can't just barge in, as it were, right? You can't, you mean I, I can't approach boldly before the throne? <laughs> Sorry. There's, it wasn't a Star Trek reference. It was It was actually, well, if you haven't been in church in a while. Star Trek. So, where, where can I go boldly now, Greg? What's the, what's the deal, bud? Well, I mean... The, I mean, we just finished the Esther thing, right? And, and you were telling us about, you know, Esther, you know, walked right in, hadn't been invited, right. needed... The protocol was that the scepter had to be lowered towards her or... Or she's... Right. No more queen. Right. Okay. So there's there's this protocol... What, what's different now? I, 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 don't, I don't get what's different now. Why do I need this protocol? Why do I need to learn about this protocol then? But the protocol doesn't apply now. Or does it apply now? What, what's the deal? I'm not, sure there, I'm not sure there is a difference. Okay. I mean, the only, we don't have a temple. Obviously. Okay, so the physical nature, the physical, the fi- fo- approaching God physically is what we're talking about here. So his, the physical manifestation of his presence. Right? Mm-hmm. So, if we don't have a temple, and we don't have the physical manifest- manifestation of his presence, then does this apply to me? Senor. Uh, we talked about, uh, around our table last night, about prayer. And how this, this is, basically this book is where we have different ideas of how our prayers are derived from the sacrificial uh, offerings, the, the times that they're given, and, and the fact that, because, uh, I mean, if uh, other than Shabbat, if you're reading the Daily Amidah, you're praying... For, uh, for for blessings, for forgiveness, for parnasa, for for uh, for thanksgiving, and all those are types of offerings that that we'll learn about soon as well. Okay. So there's a correlation between how we pray, what what we pray for, when we pray, and and, and there's the protocol towards prayer as well because you are um, coming before the throne of the master of the universe in with, with your prayer. So so that's a, a direct um, correlation of how it applies today. So so let me let me just. Pick on you, and we'll just—you know—I'll turn my back to them so that they—they can't pick right away. Okay. Um, so, are you saying that everything I'm reading about has a spiritual counterpart, and really the physical nature of what I'm reading really has no bearing anymore? No, I don't. It's think not what you're saying. No, I don't think. I don't think the physical and the spiritual are are at ends. I think they're they're part of the same. Right? Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't you say so? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would say. Yeah. Good, good. Um, that was very, uh, very kosher, the way you, the way you did that. Um, yeah, so bring, bring, me, bring me to the master on, on the day that he was killed and, and talk about some times that I can get from here. Yes, sir. 
Well, that was my question, but you had a comment. You want to make your comment or you want to answer my question? I was. I was going to draw attention to the parallels between the temporal and the extra-temporal nature. Extra-temporal. Extra I had that with mayonnaise the other day. <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean? Outside of, outside of time, the, um, the idea that, okay, these are you know the, the means of approaching God in time, mm -hmm. but that Yeshua's offering of himself is for eternity. That's for outside of time. Okay. And that they're they're parallel to one another but they do not coincide if that makes okay. sense. Okay. So uh, his sacrifice was made made on our behalf, yes? Absolutely. Okay. where? From the from the, from the heavens of the world. In the heavenly tabernacle. Let's that's the second one? There's a, that's a trick. Careful. That's the first. That's, that's the one that we right. that well, we Moshe Rabbeinu saw the, the pattern. From your passage in Hebrews, Hebrews 10, it's the first. It's the first one. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, it's the first one, and the one that Moshe Rabbeinu made, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses. Right. Um, he made that a copy that these guys are walking into. Okay. So... Tell me about the Master's Day and his sacrifice and the timing that we're given specifically by the authors in the Gospels. And how does it line up with some of the stuff we're reading here? Well, there's a, a morning and an afternoon offering. Mm -hmm. And so in the morning, um, you know, these coincide with the time that you know he, he may have been put on the cross. And then later in the afternoon when he finally gave up his life, you know, approximately what the ninth hour, uh, the time of the, the midday sacrifice or offering at the temple, this is when he gave up his spirit for all mankind. Okay. And so we have, uh, he, he is literally, you know, to the T, to the second, as it were, fulfilling, as it were, the role of these sacrifices. and Or can be associated with them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. So I'm, uh, I'm I'm curious now about each one of these as as we walk through. Um, was there like five of them that we, we walked through? Um, it seemed to me that there was something going on there that rarely goes on in my life, unless I'm walking. Uh, I think the the way that the apostolic scriptures put it is walking in the spirit. Um, what what is the the sense of some of these people uh, as they're going through their day to day? Uh, deal here that is perhaps unique uh, to these people or actually shouldn't be but um, I'm just speaking of myself what's our attitude I'm, I'm being too general for you I can tell humility. I think it is a, a, an attitude of humility that they're in and, and I was struck by I mean maybe towards the fourth chapter as you know if some guy does something and later it's revealed to him or if he realizes his guilt shall be upon him, and then he's, he's going to make the sacrifice. And it occurs to me that that rarely happens unless I'm in community, unless I've got people around me that are telling me, hey, we've got a little problem here. I, I noticed this. Um, you, you might want to make this right. So I, I think that attitude of humility and recognizing that I don't want that guilt and I don't want any impediment between me and my God um, 
sort of is fixed by this type of stuff. I, I think there's something else there, though, too. Um, Before you move off that point, yeah. Um, this book, I mean, I love anybody who knows me know, knows I love Leviticus. Leviticus is the, is the heart of a <laughs> is the heart of a relationship with God, and the first letter is the, is is indicative of this because the first letter is a is a is a subscript aleph. And the Aleph is small. The first of all letters should be proud, and instead it shows itself to be humble. And this is this is indicative of this very attitude that we're reading of yep. the worshiper yep. is that he approaches God in this humble manner. Yes, the first letter and is is tiny, um, as opposed to that same letter. Um, where else? It, uh, in the Shema, where is it? They were. It's big. I was reading. It was Rambam or somebody like that who was telling me. Um, yeah, that's right. If it's if think it's in the Shema, because if it's if it's uh, no, it's the it's the, the rage. It's the no, it's, 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 it's another olive. I just can't remember where it is right now. But the dollar because it's, it's, it's maybe it's Achad. But if the, the the first letter is changed, it becomes Achar, which is another. Yeah. So. I can't remember where it is, but anyway, um, it is. Another it is. Uh, it is an, an important book. Um, in, a, in the first sacrifice, that's talked about at the beginning of the chapter. Um, but what's happened here? Why, why is? What do, you, what do you have in verse three? Do you have elevation? Who has, who has elevation? You know, it's not a church; it's an offering. <laughs> you might want to get a bumper sticker that says that. It works for me. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I like that. Use that. Um, I've got the t-shirt. So, somebody have a, something else? Does somebody have burnt offering? Burnt. Burnt, burnt, burnt offering. Burnt. Why would they call it, why would the translators translate it as a burnt offering and not an elevation offering? Or, why would they call it an elevation offering? What is the word in Hebrew? Ola. which means? Where do you get another word from that? Aliyah. Yeah, okay. So, it goes up. What is it that's going up? Smoke. Because what what did you do with it? It's you burnt it. It's totally it's burnt, and it's rising up in this elevation offering. Okay, um, who would who would do this? Would would Joshua do this elevation offering? Would Peter do this elevation offering? Only as only as being represented. They would do it but being represented. Is that what you're talking about? No, I would say. I mean, so not who physically does it. Because we can't, but yeah, the animal's got to be killed, and I'm going to pull the knife. Verse They're going to catch the blood. Who's going to do this? Verse 2 says, when a man among you brings an offering to other man. Okay, so verse that's what I like. says, to... he shall slaughter the bull right. on the altar all around. And he shall so, slaughter the bull before Hashem. So I'm, I'm, if I bring the bull, who's killing the bull? Yeah. Who's got the knife? Yeah. Who's got the cup to catch the blood? The Cohen, the, the priest does, right? Who's throwing the blood? The Cohen, the priest does. Who kills the bull? You do. Now let me see. We kind of had fun at my expense the other night because I'm not a farming guy. <laughs> I'm the city boy. I've never seen a bull. Don't know how big they are. Don't know what they smell like. Really don't know what color they are. Yes, it's true. But I have a lot of knives. <laughs> really sharp. Really sharp knives. So, well, I, I'm, I'm again, I'm not a farmer, but I'm thinking 
in my business, I've got an iPad. And, and this is, you know, if, if I want to give you something that'll just make you stand up and hug me, something of great value to me, I would give you my iPad. I'm going to give you my iPad. Yeah, right. Okay? Um, so I'm thinking that for a guy who's a farmer, or what do you call a guy that raises bulls? A rancher? Yeah. A rancher. That works for me. Okay. A cowboy. A, a okay. That's weird, but that works too. Um, it, it seems to me, am I wrong? Am I off base here that I'm, I'm actually presenting something of great value? Yes. Okay. Now, if that's true, and this is going to be an expense for me, I'm just wondering why am I doing it? I mean... If I give you my iPad, it should demonstrate that I'm just really crazy about you, and I, I really, I'm, I'm trying to work that relationship. Why would I kill this bull, Joshua? Well, it is a, I'm going to draw a link here from the name of the offering. The offering is called an Olah, and the idea is that you raise the offering up and it rises in smoke. But the Olah offering is also about bringing yourself closer to God. It's one of the commentaries in the, in the Hamash, and. Um, Rabbi Lapin comments in his um, book, Buried Treasure, on the chapter on sacrifice, that he talks about how sacrifices were not given for God's benefit. They weren't God's hungry and to feed him. They weren't God's mad at me and to placate him. It was, I am going to give this great sacrifice, not because God needs it, but because he will actually bring me closer to God. And his point was that, as, he, as an example, he said, like, work, work. As an employer, employee rather, you oftentimes make sacrifices to work. Your employer may or may not ever give you any credit for that, may not ever take notice of it. But what it does is it makes you feel more attached to your work because you have invested something into it. In a similar sense, when we make sacrifices for people, you feel closer to them. So the offering system was about bringing us closer to God, not about trying to somehow um, make God happy. Is it possible that God could love me less than he does? It is not possible. Because he loves me with an everlasting love. That's a fact. So it's going to change my heart. If there's, you might want to write this down. If there's somebody who you're having trouble with, there's some angst, and you've got some <laughs> issues with, if you invest treasure in that one, it will soften your heart mm -hmm. towards that person. Even if you don't like them, it softens your heart and it, it heals at least your side of the relationship. And at least your mileage may vary, but at least in my life, I have found that it's oftentimes, since I'm not from here, it's oftentimes me that's the problem in the relationship. I'm the stiff one. I'm the one with the problem. But if I pour this treasure in or invest in this individual, it's like I've busted that stiffness and I get to draw near. They're having fun. It's not, a, it's not, a, it's not the sound of tumult in the camp. It's the sound of joy. Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. Uh, to Joshua's point, also, I'd also like to say that the, the, the word sacrifice is, is sort of a misnomer. And it, it, to, to say that we're making sacrifices, I think, is that God is making pleasure. Everybody sing. We bring the sacrifice of praise. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's nice. To say that God is 
bringing is the, the God is taking pleasure in, in, in our deprivation, sorry, in, in our in depriving us, right, right, and 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 celebrating our loss. That's right. Um, so it, it's really more of like a gift or a, a free will offering from joy, and to to say that. You know, even offering sometimes kind of denotes well, we, you know, a little bit of. We talked about that. We talked about that. When you hear the word offering, whether in church or here, you should think animal, animal. animal. not plate. Think animal. <laughs> in this case, we flowers are being could be could be grain. Yeah, in some cases, it's an animal on your plate. <laughs> okay, so good. Let's continue along that line. But I, but I think I think that and not not to detract from Joshua's point because it's exactly right. It's it's costly. And your point is costly. Whatever else, but there's something else mystical going on as well. And the mystical part of it is there is a soul. There is a soul connection because even with the exception of the of the grain and the three, by the way, you know this is this is hanged loose, right? Yeah, right. The three the three uh, fingers of grain. Um, even with that exception, because bread bread is the same connection as blood. It is the connection to the soul, and so the poor that give the the bread or the or the grain are right. giving of their soul, and the rancher is giving of his soul not just of his wealth not just something valuable but there's a soul connection and that and that and it's found in that word a lot and it's the going up that's the whole point it's it's drawing near in order to go up so there's a there's a there's a soul connection with God in the fact that I'm offering blood and that's where the atonement comes in because my soul and is is not where it needs to be in terms of God's holiness. I need something to sort of cover over that and allow us to interact in some mystical, special way that can't just happen on its own. If I stroll into the middle of the of the tabernacle and walk right up to the altar, put my hands on it, I'm going to get struck dead. <laughs> Rightfully so. So let's let's do. I got you in a sec, but let's do some quick remez on what he just said. So we're looking for a remez. A hint. Okay, back to another passage. Uh, so I just heard smoke rising up, and I heard about a connection between me and God, and that there was Judges. something happening there. Why am I? Why am I thinking about the Book of Judges? Judges eighteen. Manoach and his wife offer a a. And I think it actually says an Ola offering to Israel to Malach Adonai, who just so happens to ascend in the smoke. Right. He uh, said, "You can do it. I won't. I won't eat it. You can do it." And he went up in, in the smoke. That's pretty cool. Your second. Okay. Also, uh, I was listening to it. One of my personal favorite commentators said that he's a very visual learner. That's the way he grasps things. And he said this uh, and from a 21st century mind is hard to grasp but if you if you think of the of a, of a uh, really sorry contrite heart who's uh, knows that he's messed up he's sinned and he's willing to bring this bull willing to kill it to actually you know cut, cut its throat and then watch it burn watch this this very animal that you had and and, and to remember uh, that that should have been me burning up on this altar mm-hmm. and instead uh, and, and it, so he said that, that just that visual connection and the and the uh, and the time and the effort that you know that, that it takes that person to fulfill <coughs> this mitzvah is is it just really shows the, the connection I, I want to be careful because we're not up to that one yet that I get a visual 
reminder of the cost of my sin. This particular one we're talking about now has nothing to do with sin. Which so you need to hold that note till we get to chapter three. Yes, ma'am. But it was a great point. Are we still at chapter two? Yeah, we're still in chapter one. I think we're on verse six. I mean, gee whiz. Being the granddaughter of a Texas rancher, I'm trying to put all these pieces together in my head. But there's only one bull. You have lots of cows. That's you right. never have more than one bull. Let's say that again. You never have more than one bull. In your herd. In your herd. You have one. They fight. It's bad. Really? Really. You have one bull and lots of cows. You eat the bulls yeah. and you as they're growing things, up. You do things to make bulls not be bulls anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you make them a yes. circumcise. Is that what a steer is? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't realize that uh, this was so racy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the cows have been cows. So, so that bull is the giver of life yeah. in that huh. community, so to speak, because it helps the cows all have calves, right? Right, right. Yeah. So this, you have, you pick a strong bull. You pick a bull with personality and characteristics that you want passed on through all this cattle yeah. that's in your herd. And so the life that is in a bull as a rancher is hefty. Yeah. He's, he's so it is of great value. Right? Yeah, he, it is. And it's the whole you pay a lot for a good bull. Yes, you do. And so that, huh. yeah, I'm just trying to put all these pieces in my head. Just Forget your head. Put it in my head. This is great. I had no idea. Steer. Who knew? How many knew that? Just, yeah. With no help. <laughs> They're from Texas. Yeah. <laughs> you don't count. Everybody Texas does. He's good. That's good. That is very, very, uh, very good. And uh, helps me to understand. Okay. Steer. How about that? Okay. And it, it looks like we can have different guys here, right? It's from the cattle. It could be from the flock, which even I know means it might not be cow. It could be sheep. <laughs> or goats. Or goats. I mean, we're getting from big down to little. I got it. Yeah. Okay. Actually, my favorite part of maybe this entire first portion of, of Iancra is the um, God's immense graciousness to people of all means and abilities and capacity and how these offerings scale down not because God's like, well, if you're feeling really in love with me, you can bring this nice big thing. And right. not only the rich people could actually right. get the, the, you know, the real it's, in with me. It's the idea that you bring what you are capable of bringing, and the sages really eat this up. That's the <laughs> the, um, that it's a satisfying aroma each time. In other words, God doesn't look at any of these offerings and say, man, that rich guy gave me this huge gift. What a great guy. And then look at the poor fellow and go, well, he tried. You know, he sees each of them as equal before him to the point where the grain offering, I mean, the grain offering is the smallest of the small, the cheapest of the cheap. It's the least expensive, the least costly. But for the poor person, it's all they have. Yeah. And it actually refers in the grain offering section, the sages point out, it's the only one where it says when a soul, a nephesh, gives this offering. And they're saying that when the poor person gives, it's like giving of his soul. So it's like they actually actually attribute like an additional significance to this otherwise 
really low-level gift. It's like the widow's mite. Right. That's why the sages exactly. say that the grain offering was the highest of all of these. Mm-hmm. There's no blood because there. it's the offering of the poor. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Got him. No, I was just make, thinking. I was had to remit back to the widow's mite. The widow's mite. Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. Good, good, good. As a connotation of quality over quantity, and you know, to that effect, you know, we've got. Well, the exact opposite of that coming in Isaiah 1, when God tells everyone, okay, your, your sacrifices are, I don't want your sacrifices, they're repugnant in my, my nostrils. When we're just reading out reading about them, they're a pleasant aroma to God. So what's changed? It's, it's I don't think it was God. Just spitballing, but I just don't think it was God. <laughs> it, it was, it's, it's the heart of the one bringing it. Amen. Yeah. It's the heart of them. Every time you see somebody do this, just think that's the that's the that's the best offering there is. <laughs> Damn. Three fingers. Three fingers to grain. The sages. Well, we're gonna. Well, I'll hold that next time. Till we get to the sit on. Why do you hold that that count? <laughs> okay, so I'm I'm in chapter two and verse one. <laughs> well, one of the quick things about the, the grain offerings is I love that you got more. <laughs> the grain offerings is a neat expression of what it means to. Praise God with a mix of protocol and individuality. I love the fact that there's like six different types of grain offerings. If you got a pan, if you're going to do it this way, you're going to do it that way. It's like God didn't say, do it this exact simple way and that's it, zero, done. He gives them a lot of variety. And for the poor person, that's a big deal. And it may be because they have different you know, cooking utensils that they could use. They don't have a lot or whatever the rationale may be. But in each of these, there's a protocol. It's got to be with this amount. It's got to be with this oil on it. It's got to be, you know, softened in a certain way so the priest can crumble it and scoop it out. And it's always a specified way of doing it. So it's it's a reminder to me that um, in the same sense, it's like God uh, can appreciate our sense of individuality. Like when we don't, when we aren't praying from the siddur, we're just praying from the heart. I think that he sees it and it's precious to him but at the same time there's still protocol you don't go up to god and high five him and say hey what's it up i'm you know having a good day hope you're doing good too dog you know it's not you don't do that with god in the same sense it's like he appreciates her individuality while still recognizing he's king I'm still stuck on the dog kind of <laughs> <laughs> that's good yeah yeah, dog is God backwards. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that was, that's a good comment. Thank you. Chapter 2. When a person offers a meal offering to Adonai, his offering shall be a fine flour. He shall pour oil upon it, place frankincense upon it. He shall bring it to the sons of Aaron, the Kohanim, one of whom shall scoop his three fingers full from it, from its fine flour, from its oil, as well as its frankincense. And the Kohen shall cause its memorial portion to go up in smoke upon the altar. A fire offering, a satisfying aroma to Adonai. The remnant of the meal offering is for Aaron and his sons, most holy, from the fire offerings of Adonai. And then, as Joshua was saying, when you go into this and you go into that and you get it this way versus that way, so uh, I'm, I've missed why I'm doing this. Why am I doing this? Because I'm being obedient, okay? So, Madison, since I want to be obedient, Find me where it tells me how often I need to do this. I mean, I want to be obedient. So, do I need to do it on Sundays? Or is it Tuesday mornings? How many times a week do I need to do this? It just says Wednesday. When I do it, 
This is how to do it. So, again, I'm trying to figure out why would I do this? When would I do this? What's the deal? Only to draw me. I don't seem to get any benefit other than drawing near to the physical presence of God. There doesn't seem to be any other reason. It doesn't say that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to have more kids, my crops will be bigger, I'll get bigger bulls, whatever it may be. You know, it doesn't say that. Well, there's one for thanks later, and that's not this one. Right. So you could say, okay, I had a and great and arms, one, and thank And there's one for being me. guilty, that's and right. it's not this one either. This yeah. Why am I doing this? There are drawing. There are various offerings that require grain, and right. So, so, so I guess, and in a certain sense, it could be this is how you're going to do those. When you do grains, right? Well, I mean, well, verse three says voluntarily, so it yeah, probably right. can't apply to the required well, to, to the requirements offering. Right. So, if I'm going to do this voluntarily, okay. now let me let me let's back up. We talked about the protocol before. If I draw near. And I don't follow the protocol. What happens? I die. So let me get this straight, because I'm I'm not from here. I voluntarily want to do this, and I might die if I do it wrong. Why would you do it? That's an encouragement. Why would you do it? So you're going to go make a meal over? No, don't do that today. It's risky. Why? Why would you do it? If it is risky, why would you do it? Because you worship the king. That's exactly the right answer. Because I want to go worship the king. I want to draw near and worship him. Because he's worthy of that worship. And there is no time other than right now when I can do it. Whenever I want, I can do it. And I can draw near to him. I don't know about you, but... You know, being born a Gentile, this is cool stuff. If I bumped into Jews and they told me that I could actually draw physically near to the physical representation and presence of the creator of the universe, I'd be digging around looking for a meal. (laughs) But, of course, in the days of the Master, they kept me afar off because I was a stranger to the covenants. A foreigner to the commonwealth of Israel. There was a court of the Gentiles that was enormous, and I was not allowed to go past that... What do they call that thing? Valley Stripe. Valley Stripe? Valley Stripe. That's good. What, what else did we call it? There's another word for that. It's just the dividing wall. It's a dividing wall, but there was another word, and it was another word like that. Man, I can't stand getting old. Oh. <laughs> That's right. It'll come to me. It'll come to me probably 2 o'clock in the morning. Alan will know. Mm. Yes. Okay. So. But I think that. It, so, what, what, what? I just want to. I'm going to bring this home now. Sorry. 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 Thank you. Uh, <laughs> that was great. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I just want to. What, what can I do now? If I want to, if I want to draw, draw near to the physical presence of God now. What do I do? Right now. I mean, right now, in the present time, no temple. You can't. Prayer. Physical. You said the physical. Prayer allows me to draw near to Him emotionally, spiritually. But to to draw near to Him physically? We don't have it right now. I can't right now, right? I'm out of luck. 
How do I do it now? I wait. I need to pray that Mashiach. the temple is rebuilt and Mashiach comes. There's no other way to do that. Is, do we all agree? Yes. Do we agree that that is not the same as drawing near to him in prayer? It is not the same as drawing near to him emotionally or spiritually. It is not the same. And I, and I can prove that. Couldn't they do the emotional and spiritual nearness when there was a temple? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they did. Too. I mean, and they did. Mm-hmm. So they were already doing that. But Shlomo wakes up one morning and just really wants to draw near to the physical presence. And I am convinced that there is nothing on this planet. Not down at Carowinds, not up in New York. There is nothing on this planet that can possibly compare to drawing near to the physical presence of God. We, we don't have anything that we can make it like. It just doesn't exist. I mean, maybe to capture some of the difference, this is a poor example, but the best that I can think of right now, anyone who's um, had a family member or um, a romantic interest or a really close loved one who lives who has to live far away for a time period, you can talk on the phone, mm-hmm. you can talk by email, you can mm-hmm. send letters. And there's that connection. There's a there's there's an opportunity to, to link somehow. But it's nothing to be compared to being in their presence. Drawing you. Even if you have Skype now with video conferencing and all this stuff, it's still not the same as being physically in their presence. You know, I think I think I've got a pretty good example that I just went through. If you've got a loved one in the hospital and they're behind one of those glass deals, like when you come in to see the baby and they got them under the little heat lamp to cook them, (laughs) and you got the glass, you know, you can knock on the glass, you can shove your face against the glass, you can make and put a little smiley face on the glass, but you can't draw near. You can't smell the baby. You can't get your nose down in there. You know, giggle them and make them... You can't do any of that. It's the same kind of deal, right? And we, we miss out on that now. And I think we're the worst for it. I really do. Good. But that was that was excellent, Joshua. Thank you. Okay. So I think we're we're working this. Um, so let's, let's move forward to the first one that's different. Can you find that one? We've got the... Um, We've got to salt everything. We've got the uh, the meal offerings and all that. And then we get into the feast, peace, offering. Chapter 3 and verse 1. Does everybody have feast, peace, offering? That's hard to say. Doesn't somebody else have something else? It's falling apart. You know, I was told once that uh, we could tell the character of a person by how well-worn their, their Bible was. I found out since then it's not true because they may be using it as a wheel chalk, but I don't think that's the case in, uh, in, your, in your life. So, 3-1. What, what, what are we doing? What, what are we doing here? Feast peace. What are you, you got? Is that what you have, Greg? You got feast peace offering? Yes. What, what else? Somebody's got a peace offering. Just peace. Anybody got anything to, other than just peace or feast peace? No. Okay. Shalomim. 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 Shlamim, yep. So, so, what, what's the what's the difference here? In a sense, the the previous one was 
it was burned in, in its entirety. So it was it was purely an act of love and a desire to connect with God as a almost holy physical meets spiritual experience. Okay. There's nothing left at the animal when you're done. But even in the meal offering, that just gets cooked. There's something that gets eat eaten, eaten by the priest, but it's not shared by me. Again, right. it's I, I give up all of it it's completely. Gone. I receive no physical, tangible, material benefit from this experience. So what's the deal with the peace This offering? one you eat, but... Where? In the temple, ah. or in the courtyard, or wherever you get the cool. appropriate location. And it is, um, at the very least, it's sort of linked to... Uh, I don't know if it's the same as the Thanksgiving offering or it's just similar, but but it's the I it, they compare it somewhat. And the idea that it's like it's like um, it's almost like having a birthday party or a a um, a ceremonial meal when you're just really excited about something big that's happening. I'm going to argue with you on that. I, I think you're describing in my mind. I may be I may be wrong, but I think you're describing the Thanksgiving offering to me. Yeah. The peace offering, I would ask you to consider Psalm 23 for just a moment. Consider. Thou preparest a table for me where? In the presence of my enemies. Now, the sages have looked at this very differently. But one way is that we've got a table prepared in the presence of your enemies, and they are going to participate because there is no more enemy, that they are now, they're, you're at peace with them. Lying in the land kind of thing. Precisely. In the same way that Messiah will bring lasting peace on this planet like we've never had before. Okay? And everyone that is his enemy now will uh, ultimately either be destroyed or be, become at peace with him. So that's what I'm thinking about here is I'm going to bring a, a peace offering. Uh, would you say it's peace with God? And then of eating in his presence as if there was some enmity there and now there's peace. Would you say that that fits with the text? Yeah. Why not? Um... Well, the sages point out this is not for an atonement for sin. Ah. In fact, they go so far as to say that in some of the other offerings, you lean on the animal. Yeah. It must be confessing sin of the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. So you don't do that. Because why would you do that? Right. Instead, in this one, you actually praise God while you do that. We lean on the head upon the head of his offering and slaughter it. So we're leaning from the feast beast offering. He shall offer a fire offering to Adonai. So. You are leading, but the but the, the commentary says since the peace offering does not come to atone for sin, no confession is made during this leaning. Rather, the owner praises God as he leans on the animal. Which yeah, and that's actually it's something cool in the um, and the missionary. It has basically what those those what confessions should be. Yeah. Right, and I, I actually haven't read it for the peace offering, but for the sin offering and the guilt offering, it is confession. And so, so I can imagine that it would just be a, a praise and a, you know, an expression of, of, of love that you're, you know, that that you would speak when when, when you uh, press your head on it. One of the things that jumped out at me with the peace offering is it's very specific about take two kidneys, take the liver, take the fat that's around, you know, the those, those organs, and you know those are those are separated out and. You know, and, and so as I was thinking about what's specific about those particular organs, if you think about their function, they're cleaning the blood. They're cleaning the blood. They're filters, so they're they're uh, catching the impurity, as it were. Okay. So it's like you're separating these organs 
you know, that are associated with the impurities mm. from the rest of the animal. Kind of, and, and then the rest, of the, and then the, the sin offering and the sham, the guilt offering, say remove it like you did. For, it kind of refers right. back from to this. This is the pattern. Yeah. Okay. So. Anything else on the uh, on the peace offering? I like the, the sage's commentary. The peace refers not to like peace with God, but the idea of actually bringing peace between the, like the, the physical and heavenly world. It's like it actually brings a sense of harmony in to the balance, if you will, to like the universe. Um, in fact, there is a commentary. Um, you're getting you're getting pretty mystical. Oh, yeah. Well, the idea here they say that. Um, uh, their comment was that um, according to Korban Aharon, the peace expressed by the name is a harmony between the heavenly world of the spirit and the earthly world of materialism. One who brings a peace offering seeks to unite the two worlds. Because what you have here is a unique combination. You have an offering to God. We're connecting with the totally spiritual sense. We're reaching out to God. But then you're going to eat it, which which in the in Judaism, they talk about the idea of the Yetzirah and the Yetzirah Tov, the good inclination, the bad inclination. The bad inclination is not necessarily like evil in a sinful sense. It's just very, very earthly. It's like, I want to eat. I have a passion and a lust to eat, you know, I, you know, etc. So it has... Try not to get too personal with me. Okay. And so it has some... Um, and so it can be used evilly. And that's why the evil inclination is considered evil, is because when it's let... And when you are led by it, then it leads you to sin. But in the same sense, so this is almost a case where you're like elevating your entire being, in a sense, even those base desires that I have to be eat food, to link it with this spiritual experience with God. So it's actually bringing a peace and a harmony between what has become, in our fallen world, a divided yeah. uh, sphere between the spiritual world. We're bringing and the them together. So if I've if I've got this urge, let's use it for the right thing. I like that. And, and it's also really cool is uh, in the Amidah, the, the last benediction for peace, Sim Shalom, Tavarracha, and, and uh, the, all 18 of those sections are basically a, a precursor of world history. Because we start with the patriarchs, and then we move on in exile, and now we're returning, and then there's Mashiach, and then, and then we're at the peace, is, is a mm-hmm. picture of the Olam Haba as well. And, and that's cool that, that, yeah, that this offering will connect the both you know earthly both and, sides right yeah. both sides just like the, the the progression of prayer and that particular scene shalom section kind of does as well yeah you know the sages are, are he's are, my son yeah, I know yeah <laughs> <laughs> my gonna, yeah yeah um, I, I think the the sages you know as, as they're talking about some of the, the great men of faith down through the ages uh, are don't say that these guys had no more yetzer hara is that it was under control and it was used for the right purpose, you know, and almost as if back in the garden, these these very urges, you know, it's not bad for you to eat. This is what you're supposed to eat. By the way, don't eat that. You know that kind of thing. So now we're, we're using it all again for His glory. I like that. Okay. Yes, ma'am. I may be going too far afield here, but... Is this mystical? Is that no. <laughs> to go to Zechariah, and they're talking about a fast day, actually, in Zechariah, for the, the fifth month, and he says, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months, those 70 years, did you really fast for me? Mm-hmm. For me? Mm-hmm. When you eat and when you drink, do you not eat and drink for yourselves? Should you not have obeyed the words the Lord proclaimed? And then he goes on to say, Execute true justice, show mercy and compassion, 
everyone to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. Let none plant evil in his heart against his brother. Which then reminds me of Micah, where he says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of your own? The Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, ten thousands of rivers of oil. He says, How he has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Mm. Well, to me, this peace offering is the physical manifestation of you being in these places. Cool. That you're no longer seeking your own, you're no longer doing the things just to do them. Right. But that you're actually wanting to come to the Lord and say, I am putting myself aside. Amen. Or, I am at peace. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful, and I think it's true. It's my wife. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. All right, chapter 4. This is my favorite chapter. Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, When a person will sin unintentionally from among all the commandments of Adonai, that may not be done, and he commits one of them, oh my goodness, if the anointed Cohen will sin, and we go through a couple of different scenarios, if you will. Um, we've got the broad statement at the beginning that we've got some unintentional sin. This, this happened by accident. It wasn't a known or willful sin. And then we've got some specifics. We've, we've got to do some different things, depending on whether it's you know, the Cohen, who's actually supposed to be interceding on our behalf, or if it's you know, somebody else. So um, we've got uh, verse 3 starting with the Cohen, and I think... Uh, um, before we get to verse 3. Well, uh, I just... 3 is three is the Cohen, and then uh, 13 is the entire assembly, and I think there was another one in between that I missed, but go ahead. Well, before we go into a little piece verse, of part. Verse 2. Yeah. Uh, un- sin unintentionally from among all the commandments of Adonai, that may not be done. And Chazal, of course, uh, on say that. that this is specifically referring to the negative, negative commandments. Right. The, the stuff that may not be done. Right. Don't do Thou this. Shalt Don't not. do this. Right. right. So, uh, and there's we kind of talked about this last night. You get into some really neat concepts there with respect to how that plays into Tikkun Olam and all that. But, but I guess the question is. It, the, how do the positive mitzvah fit into that? In other words, uh, you know, we have a positive commandment to love your father and your mother, honor our father and mother. Yep. So, if I, which is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so, if I don't do that, is that one of the don'ts? Right. Well, in that case, there is a one of the don'ts too. So. Well, that's true. That does show up as a prohibition someplace else, mm-hmm. but. But you know, you, you know what I'm saying. So, help me here. How do you guys view that? The sages also see this as doing. That's one thing that they comment is this is what you should not be done. And they actually go so far as to say that speech doesn't even count in this context because it's like explicitly things that you physically do. Um, how about how about zitzi, right? You will you know you will put zitzi on the corners of your of your garment, right? So that's not a negative commandment. That's a positive commandment. Yeah. So if somebody is not wearing zitzit... Unintentionally. Un- unintentionally, sure. Stay with that theme. 
then I would say if you're not wearing zitzi, it's intentionally not wearing zitzi mm. because it's intentional if you do wear them. Well, okay. you can't wear zitzi by accident. Okay, so so fine. Can so, you? I don't think you can. So so fine. So, so aren't things tied themselves? I don't know what's up with so, that. So so <laughs> intentionally, you know, you wake up and you can't find your telekaton. Eh, you know, I gotta go. Right. So you made a decision to not, not to. wear yes. zitzi. I would say that it has nothing at all to do with this. Okay, I agree. All right. I mean, that's that's where yeah, I'm at. That's where I am too. Today, I just, I just, Today. I just wanted. But to. I would I would say that if if now for those of you who are not aware, it is this very verse he's talking about which caused Maimonides or, or the Rambam to actually number the negative and the positive commandments in the first place, if so that we would know. Which ones are those things that prohibit us from doing stuff? And this is what we need to be aware of so that we, if you unintentionally do something we're not supposed to do. So let's take an example. Let's talk bacon. <laughs> I'm so, yeah, they slip it on on you, you know, and you, you know, there's bacon bits at the top of the salad and you're halfway through the salad. So <coughs> you weren't looking when you took the first bite? That's actually Why are we in a non kosher restaurant? That's great. That'll learn you. That's actually one of the comments they noticed that it's an unintentional sin, but more caused by carelessness. Right. It's not like you know you were sleeping and someone dropped bacon in your mouth and you woke up. Oh my goodness! What is this bacon doing in my mouth? It's like Isaac is saying. They put the they put the salad in front of you. Hello. You didn't examine it first? Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. Are you really being careful? The positive commandment is that the flesh of the pig shall be detestable to you. If, if, if you're not keeping that one, then... So that means once you've eaten half that salad, you're not going to finish it when you realize it, because that's detestable to you. Mm. Or, or worse, not only not when, they, it. when they deliver the salad, <laughs> you're not going to pick... The bacon bits. There's another thing too. Uh, a lot of people that take pharmaceutical <laughs> drugs or even vitamins. A lot of those capsules are gelatin, sure, and yeah. pig or cow. Sure. So yeah. unless you know whether it's a pig or a cow, and you're taking this capsule and you're an antibiotic and sure. dying, yeah. you're taking it. Yeah. You're eating. I, that's unintentional. I would say, since it's you, you know, it's 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 probably uh, near impossible, and I'm sure you know Joshua would agree to eat kosher at a non-kosher restaurant to begin with. So if we take that whole mix out, just so he doesn't start to go off. Um, but you know, I, mean, I think the medication is probably a good idea, right? You, you've been led to believe this is kosher, there's no problems with it, and you find out later, oh my goodness, yeah. you know, well, you've, you've done wrong. But the, the rabbis make a very clear issue of the golden yeah. fish. It, it doesn't matter That's right. if you're taking medicine that will keep you alive then the issue of life is more important. And actually, medicine is not considered food it's in the not first place. Food. No, you're surviving on nourishment. Like you don't sit down to a bowl full of pills because you're so hungry. Yeah. Well, I'm just talking <laughs> about, well, they were just talking about intentional to non-intentional because sure. I take vitamins and I had to start calling the vitamin company to make sure that I was taking, sure. uh, but even, you know, about yeah, vitamins. That's vitamins certainly that's vitamins. Not, yeah. It's not, you know, vitamins are not to keep you alive. You don't Granted. have to take yeah. vitamins. But if you, go to the, if you go to the hospital, you don't ask them what it's made of. When the doctor says, you take this pill, you take that pill. That's it right. doesn't matter what's made of because it's not food for you. It is for life. And Pukot Nefesh, the, the life of the soul or the, the, the safety of the soul, that's more important. Well, I, I think I think it's, an, um, just to kind of dovetail on that comment, 
this is a Torah to live by, mm-hmm. not to die by. Right. That's good. That's good. We're not the Jews. I know, these, these I know are, you didn't make that up, but I like that. Eliyahu these are commandments to live. Eliyahu's not cleansing made from animals that are not kosher. It's not that you derive no benefit. It's that you derive no nourishment. Got it. Okay, so let's get off of the kosher deal for right. just a second and find another command that we're talking about. Yes. Well, I was just going to ask when he was bringing up the whole, it, it gives life. By taking this medicine, it will help you to continue your life. Yeah. Right? Would you also say that nothing died from that, so therefore that's another reason why it would not have the same effect? Nothing well, like you, it, nothing, nothing had to die. So it's like mixing meat and dairy. No, nothing has died for you to in that pill itself. Is that relevant to that either? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it comes into play in this particular scenario. Yeah. I think what we're talking about is is how to weigh which commandment takes precedence. For what would you break Shabbat? Right? Your wife is laying there bleeding to death. Are you gonna? What are you gonna do? Let her die because you can't leave the house? Preservation of life. I hope not. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) So I think what Nephi says that life trumps everything. It just trumps everything. Right? Almost okay. Almost So so that's the deal there. So so let's let's give me give me an example. Well the other one of the funny examples the sages gave in in the Hamash, so they said that um, as an experience teaches, people are careful about things that matter to them, but tend to be careless about trivialities. Had the Sabbath, for example, been truly important to the inadvertent sinner, he would not have forgotten what day of the week it was. But um, the point being... You know, that, that happens to me from time to time, but it never... It never surprises me that it should not. Does that make sense? But, it, but the idea being that um, this is sort of the concept of maybe you weren't as careful as you should have been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or in some cases, actually the next section is really interesting. In, uh, well, not to be too uh, controversial, but I think it's particularly no, interesting. controversial. When we're talking about people who seem to love God with, with genuine sincerity and yet... Um, do not feel like the Torah is biblically mandated because they feel like God, you know, overrode that for them later in the second half of the book. Um, it's the not. Second, it's it's not a half. It's it's about a quarter. Just yeah, to be clear, the second third of the book or whatever. Yeah. The um the last third. The uh, there is a section here about the entire assembly sitting, and actually, what it is is it's, it's leaders who told the, the assembly we should be doing this, exactly. and then later go. Oh no, we weren't supposed to be doing that. And now they have like a special offering that they have to bring. That's a right. big deal. I mean, it's, it's comparable to when the, the Cohen sins. Yeah, it's, a nice it's, a, it's a big sin, but it is still nonetheless an unintentional sin. They didn't go into it going, "Yeah, we don't care what God says." It's more like, "Ooh, I thought the Torah said that. I reread it again, and we're not supposed to be doing that." Yeah. Let, let me uh, let me just ask you a very simple question. And I, I used to use this in my Sunday school class a lot. Um, is it possible for you to keep the commandments of God if you don't have any idea what they are? <laughs> I mean, it sounds funny, but can you really keep the commandments, even the ones that you think you're supposed to keep? Can you do that if you don't know what they are? It's really kind of difficult. Now, in the church, I think, by and large, 100% of the people would agree that you need to keep the Ten Commandments. Those are the top shelf. Nine. Ten. So. Nine, sorry, okay. Nine so and a half. The nine, the 9.3 commandments. Okay. But, you know, you, you then ask him, well, do, do you think you should keep the Ten Commandments? Absolutely. Everyone, we, you know, they, don't even, they don't even hesitate. We'll name them. And they can't. It's like, well, this, this might come to, to pass here. I mean, you must be 
You must be doing this unintentional stuff all the time. Intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. Yeah, you don't have any idea what's going on here. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's let's uh, finish out here. Um, the ruler sins in twenty two is the nasi that uh, of which Joshua just spoke. Twenty seven. If an individual person from among the people of the land shall sin unintentionally, and all of that, and um, and and you've you've got a decided difference then as you finish those out and hit the first verse of chapter five. What's the difference between all of chapter four, which is delightful, and the beginning of chapter five? Five is intention. Five is says if the person intention. I would, if that's true, I would say that. No, it's that was because it was said. Also, but if it was concealed from him. Right, at least in certain situations, it's like it's it's like it took an action on their part that was somewhat intentional, but then they found out kind of later that they it wasn't quite what they thought. I mean, it's definitely different, but it's not it's not an intentional sin because the sages point out in the commentary for chapter four, there's no offering for intentional sin. You do something rebelliously, flagrantly. I know it's wrong. I'm doing it anyway. There's no offering to cover that. Well, there's there are thieves. Well, there's already a, things that are given against you that are commanded that the community do to you. Yeah. Yeah. You may not have time to make it up. Yeah. If, if you kill someone, that's a, that's a negative command that you're told not to do. It's a flagrant violation. It's kind of hard. To, uh, that I mean, one you can sprint, and you may be okay. But if you can do it, I sit. Yeah, yeah that's right. Okay. But if not, you bet. Sprinting only works if it was unintentional. Yeah. If it was involuntary. Involuntary, right. Involuntary. That's a good point. That's good. That's good. The community, has, the community has retribution that has to be well, paid against you. Well, I was saying, though, is that the sages say is that repentance is the only thing that can secure forgiveness for an intentional sin. Thank you. And so that's what I was trying to get at was um, it's not, chapter 5 is not intentional sin flagrantly I'm doing it anyway, I don't think. I, I need, I I need, I need, I need somebody to tell me the difference between I, chapter 4 and chapter 5. five chapter 4 is about things that are are truly accidental. Had no five, idea. No idea. Chapter five. These are these are despicable things that people are doing. What happened in the very that, first example? I know the guy says, oh, "Well, I took an oath that I that I was a witness, and I lied. I really wasn't a witness." That's right. Oh, well, you know, that's not intention. That's not unintentional. That's intentional. But we do these things oftentimes. I mean, any number of us have been caught afterwards going, what was I thinking? I can't believe I wouldn't own up to that. I knew better. Right. I, I was embarrassed to say the that's truth. That's right. That's exactly right. Unfortunately, I know this never happens to me, but it probably happens to. Maybe you're a storyteller and you talk too much, and you know, out comes a very flowery, very cool description that brings a lot of. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people are edified by it, but it's just a bunch of horse hockey. You know, it just is wrong. But it's but, wrong. But verse two, though, that was like, not like it says. Right. Retracted on the left. Verse two says, "Or if a person will have touched any contaminated object." But it was concealed from him. Okay, so that's different. That seems unintentional. That's to right. Me. That yes. could be unintentional. As you go further in the chapter, it's not. so it seems like it. But so are, in the beginning, in the beginning, we're like, starting with okay. If if the mindset's different, and then evidently there's some revelation of, of things later on. You bet. I think it's a an issue of misplaced fear and love, as it were. Hmm. If we are more willing to intentionally lie to defend someone or to say, you know, to, to uh, not offend someone. Or to not be seen in a bad light. Oh, any of the above. More so than pleasing God, then 
there's a there's a different problem there. And, and, and you put that in chapter five rather than chapter four. Yes. In chapter four, I was just I I didn't know. Yeah, I've, Here I've got, watched it. It seems I, I've got some intentional total stuff. Total misfire. You know, okay. Exactly. Are we good with that? Would this be a place where you uh, per se mind your own business, not judging me? Mm. Do not judge me. You don't have the right to judge me, or we shouldn't judge people anymore. <laughs> and we end up and finding ourselves right here. Yeah. But yeah, there's a couple of major, uh, I wouldn't, I don't want to call them lies, but they sure sound like lies, that have really destroyed the faith of, or the practice of many in the church. That's that's a biggie there. Because now, now you end up with a, a congregation or a community filled with sin, with no one willing or able to stand up and say, I don't care what you people say, that's sin, it's wrong. And, and we can go so far as to say that uh, even seeing the uh, leadership stand up and just completely violate uh, that whole deal and approve of sin. I think these these sins are edge cases. They're, they're cases. Edge cases. They're not good. sure. Like not like really examples. Sure. That's if, right. If you've committed a chatat offering mm-hmm. type of sin, mm-hmm. you don't know for sure if you have done something that is requ- is a negative command. For instance, the the, the issue of uh, the contamination. You know, the the, the commentary says that well, this is a guy who he was contaminated and he forgot. And he goes into the sanctuary and he's like, oh my goodness, I forgot. He's contaminated. He's just gone into the sanctuary. Now what does he do? Well, there's not. Because because that is a very serious offense. Absolutely. If he had done it intentionally, it'd been a completely different story. Mm-hmm. But it's an edge case. What do I do? Okay, so well, I have to go give a guilt offering. Well, what comes up later? If, if come to find out that the thing that he did, whatever it was, really was a sin that required a sin offering, a chatat, which we just got to talk about. He has to go back and do a different offering later <laughs> to atone for the unintentional sin. But these are these are those edge cases. Things they're not necessarily sure about. First thing he has to do is go offer that offering, take care of the issue, and then go to the court, the Beit Din, and say, okay, what do I do? Right, so we got a gray area scenario. So if he feels guilty, right? Right, that's in the shop. If he's thinking, ah, I don't know if I messed up here or not, but if he's sent, if he's feeling that way, then that's 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 probably a good sign that maybe I'll offer an asham just for grins until I until I can get it worked out and to cover my guilt. Exactly. And I want to clarify about the first example here that the man here or the person who's um, who's a witness. It's not somebody who lies on the witness stand, but simply he, he could be a witness and refuses to testify. Right. So it really does fit with that gray area. He could have helped the community determine justice and right. refrained. Um, yeah, so anyway. And the other examples they give are things like, um, I swore to do or not do this activity, and then, you know, walk around the day, and all of a sudden I, I totally forgot my promise, and I start doing this, and I go, Oh no! I I think I said well. Now did I say I wouldn't do it? I said I would do it only on Tuesdays. Now I remember. You know that's the kind of idea. I think I violated. So he's a moron. That's the problem. What? He's a moron. <laughs> he's very forgetful. He's very forgetful. Siri has not reminded. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like I like Lindsay's point uh, in that the the person is actually helping to withhold justice potentially. That's right. By not participating. By not stepping up, by not acting, by not speaking up, and so forth. Well, I'm trying to think of examples, and the only one that's kind of on right now is Zacchaeus, mm-hmm. who was 
a Jew living among Jews doing a legal thing. Despicable as it was. By collecting the taxes, which mm -hmm. even the master doesn't deny that that's mm -hmm. a necessity. But he went over and above, which was acceptable in his area and his, his culture. Frame. Right. But when he saw the master and realized that that, that was a sin, then his desire for making it right and for rest what way and above what yeah. God has asked here. Yep. It's genuine repentance. Yeah. So. Good. Good, good, good. All right. Any final comments? Uh, verse 14, I wanted to touch on real quick. I'm sorry. I, was say, I think it's actually it's not so much that he's not sure which it was, but it's more like he had forgotten and then he broke his oath and then he realizes later, well, I promise not to do that. And now he has to bring it on. Which right? verse are you talking about? Uh, it's verse four. Four. It's like um, four. 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 A person will swear to his lips to do harm or to do good. Anything that a person else will an oath, but it was concealed from him, and then he knew he became guilty regarding one of these matters. So it's like he made a promise, broke it, forgetting what his promise was, and then he realizes later. Ooh, I said I wouldn't do that, so now he has to bring an offering. That's kind of the idea there. The other example they give is if he gives an oath, swears falsely, he actually lies, basically, but doesn't realize the penalty yeah. for lying. Okay. It's like, oh, I didn't know it was that serious. Well, let, me, let me make a note to the men here. Ladies, you paddle your own canoe, but for the men, if, if, you, if you give your word to do or not to do something, and you don't do it, to me, the Scripture speaks very seriously. That as men, that's no longer an option for you. Children do that, not men. We need to step up and, as Paul put it, act like men. If you give your word, it should be your bond. Oh, I, yeah, I told you. I, I, you, know, you know what? When we do this the most, when we tell somebody we're going to pray, and we completely forget about it, and they call you a week later and say, I just want to give you an update. An update? Yeah. You said you were going to bring. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then you don't want to say, um, yeah. To, to be honest with you, I haven't, I haven't really remembered to pray at all this entire week. But please give me the update. It, you shouldn't be surprised if you hear a click on the other end of the phone. <laughs> but as men, we should not do that. That should not be our character. That should not be what we're known for. If we say yes, it's yes. You should also remind what you told me about what the master said. You should remind everyone what I told you about. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, relation to two sons where uh, the father asked the son to do the work, and the first son uh, said he was not going to do it, or he was going to do it and didn't do it. Second son said he wasn't going to, but then he did it, which yeah. was more pleasing. Yeah, God. it was the one who said he wasn't going to do it and then did it. Yeah, one who which as a son would, I would not be pleased with, <laughs> but more so than the other. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, so, the moral of that whole thing is bring it home. Bring com, comes back to let's really be careful what we say and what we commit to, right? What, like, what, like, what did Yasko yes, 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 say, right? You know, be no, right? If so, you can, if you can tame that bad boy in your mouth, <laughs> right? <laughs> Good. Thank you. Verse, uh, verse fourteen. I think is a uh, is something that in the in the I, I, you know I, I want to say the visible church, but let's just say professional Christendom again. Um, I think is one that they would prefer was not there. 
14. Verse 14. I'm in chapter 5, verse 14. Adonai spoke to Moshe saying, if a person commits treachery and sins unintentionally, that's amazing to me. You've committed treachery, but you've sinned unintentionally against Adonai's holies. What does that mean? And why would the church really not want that? On that uh, we talked of, I guess, a while back in our uh, study class about a guy who spoke against a Kony but didn't realize who the person was. I was like, Paul know who that is? Exactly. Against the chief priest or the uh, Kohen Gadol. Exactly. Okay. Is that what he's talking about? Is that one of the holies? Well, it could be any anything pertaining to the anything separated for the Mishkan, right? Right. Anything that's been property. separated. So it could be uh, property and utensils and whatever used in the Mishkan, or you, you know, anything that's been consecrated is holy. And so, if you steal a utensil out of the, you know, out of the the Kohanim's quarters, yeah. you know, that he uses in his in, the, in his service. Uh, that's a big. That's a big deal. Well, it's treachery because it was done, but it seems to be an unintentional deal. So you bought it, but it seems you don't know where it came from. <laughs> it, it seems to be. Well, you accidentally take that spoon, right? Right. You know, yeah. and then later you're yeah. using it for your own thing. Yeah. Or you walk out with the cup in your hand, yeah. and you you're drinking, and and you. It's treacherous. But it is unintentional. I think the reason I want to bring it up is because the church really doesn't want there to be a temple. and doesn't want there to be anything from a... Uh, 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 consequence having to do with the temple. That's the problem. Because if there's no consequences associated with the temple then that stuff really is gone. And it's history. And they can just bag it and and toss it into that Old Testament that was then, this is now here. But in here, amongst these things that are always with us, is this issue of, of that which is set aside as Adonai's separate for him. His holies, and I think the Kohen Gadol falls into that, that category. And speaking against the Lord's anointed, set aside for that very thing. So we should uh, we should take note, and we should uh, tremble before a holy God. On that note, Joseph, the the, the act, one of the accusations made against Yeshua, and more in particular against uh, his disciples, was that they spoke against the temple. Right. And it should be something that one would think would be of grave consequence to anyone that loves God. So not only that we be careful in what we say and that we always speak in positive terms with regard to the temple and the things of the temple, but that when people, we hear people denounce the temple or to say things that are evil about the temple, that we should not withhold what we said. It's exactly that right. we should speak positively and correct them. In the, uh, in the beginning of our prayers together to your point the the often misquoted uh, uh, thing you see on the internet that all that has to happen for evil to flourish is that uh, godly men or good men or whatever don't speak up or something like that and 
they always attribute it to some guy, which he never said. And you know, anyway, the bottom line is, if somebody is speaking against the temple or against the Lord or against His anointed or anything along those lines, I think that we should remember what we pray each time we're, we're doing these these prayers. By the mouth of the upright shall you be lauded. By the words of the righteous shall you be blessed. By the tongue of the devout shall you be exalted. And amid the holy shall you be sanctified. Who is it that's going to stand up for God and for His people? It's God's people. Simple as that. Yes. Well, if you uh, kind of what Rick was saying, and then to my last point about what the Master said, as far as uh, to His people, they were saying, "Oh, we never deprived you of clothing. We never deprived you of food." And then the Paul didn't know who the high priest was, but it, if you were always intentionally doing the right thing and not just saying, oh, well, I didn't know who it was, or it, it wasn't you, Master. You're actively trying right. to be holy, actively trying to do good. Then we're actively going to speak up. We're going to be the ones that say, whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe we should rephrase that or, or speak differently. You've got And I think this is an important point, particularly when it comes to the anointed one because when somebody is speaking against Messiah Yeshua be they Jew or Gentile we ought to have a, we ought to feel obligated to at least voice an alternative stand up and be counted right that's that is hard when we want to be liked it's hard when we want to be a part of the, the crowd or a part of the group and you know it's, as uh, Jonathan was mentioning uh, during Oneg time outside, we, we need to recognize that we will never be accepted. We will never be accepted by Judaism, 100%, and we will never be accepted again by the uh, by professing Christendom. It's just not going to happen because we are odd men and women out, and we choose that life because it is one of obedience and it pleases our Master, not because it gets us any points uh, for the world to come or because it uh, causes us to uh, have a time of uh, sacrifice or uh, arduousness that will get us uh, free points for, for heaven-bound ferries or anything like that. So, Final comments? I just want to um, just, um, in looking at all the sacrifices and offerings that we just read, I see so much of Mashiach because it's a male, usually animal. It's always without blemish as our Mashiach was. And there's always blood poured out on the altar, which Mashiach did. So I think this is just a type and shadow of the ultimate sacrifice Amen. that was coming in the future. Amen. We can't forget that when we meet this. You bet. Yeah, yeah. We learn about his sacrifice through the description of the sacrifices. Um, those that uh, that would uh, poo-poo the reading of the sages or the midrash and stuff like that, or say, "Well, they're not Christians. We shouldn't be reading that." You know, I, I don't even read gardening books that are written by Christians. You know, so I just—it's it's the most amazingly ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But. Um, for those that would uh, would choose not to read Midrash and, and don't want to hear what the sages had to say, here are guys that have like nothing to do all day but think about the scriptures and, and ponder it. But um, for those, I would say you may see pictures of Messiah in the scriptures, but if you want to see exactly what he did and, and the giving of an innocent, righteous one for the sake of the people, the sages nailed it, and it's right there in the Midrash. Two, three times, you've got exactly what our Master did on our behalf. 
poured out his blood and it was given as a ransom for many. It's it's right there. And, and we should uh, at least have a chutzpah to recognize that it's there and there may be some stuff that we can learn. Amen. Good. Uh, you near the mic. Close this up. Avino, Malkane, our Father, our King, we thank you for this day. We thank you this is the day you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you for community. We thank you for uh, Moshiach. We thank you for Torah. We thank you for fellowship. Uh, we thank you for new life um, this week in the community and all of your blessings, all of your, your, your goodness. And we ask that you would uh, just let us enjoy the rest of the Shabbat and carry us into, uh, into this week ahead and uh, allow us to enter into your presence again next Shabbat. We we'll give you all the praise, B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Thank you.